Paranormal. Welcome to Therapy Paranormal Season 2, Episode 1. My name is Pax. With me is Dalton. And we are going to be discussing dreams in this particular podcast episode. How you doing today, Dalton? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Staying busy like the rest of the world. So, uh, the world is definitely staying busy. Oh, it is. It is. So, since I said we're going to be discussing dreams, as you know, if, if I was a random person just walking on the side of the road and just had a microphone and I just walked up to you and said, hey, sir, what's, uh, what's your interpretation of a dream? What, what comes to mind? What words come to your mind when I say dream or dreams? What would you, what would you say? Well, there's a lot of things that can come to mind, but I would probably lean on the spiritual meaning of dreams, which is basically messages from your higher self, spirit guides, angels, or other spiritual beings. The reason I say that is because, you know, like we talked about in prior podcasts, you know, the fact that when you're younger, you're more acceptable or receptible to the paranormal. When you get older, you lose that, but you do get, you do like a lot of times as an older person, your, your paranormal happens in your dreams, basically. So with the spirit guides, angels, or other spiritual beings, beings, these messages can offer like guidance, support, encouragement, even warnings about your life situations or decisions. So even dreams even though they're like a symbolic representation of spiritual lessons or challenges, I guess being a paranormal investigator, I would lean on the uh, spiritual meaning. It, it it also, you know, it does, there's, there's different terms of the meaning. You know, some think it's, it's like an unconscious, unconscious desire of thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can, you can attack that but I would probably just go with the spiritual meaning. Okay. Well, I am familiar with what you're, you're describing there. I know on the, I guess you want to say the psychological clinical side of the house when it comes to medical terminology and stuff, that would be categorized as a prophetic dream, which is something that happens later in life, which involves seeing events, images, or symbols that predict the future. I mean, you just said right there, you know, clear as day that it's about items or events or messages or things that are warnings or show you things that happen in the future. So I can definitely see how you're saying how it's, you know, messages and somebody receiving stuff just to kind of get a little heads up or a tip to say, hey, be cognizant of this or this may happen or be wary or, you know, whatever the situation may be. Yeah, and you and you gotta be you gotta be pretty much in a REM, a REM state of sleep. You know, because part of, when you mention psychological, there's there's other parts in the psychological part of that section too, that it's believed that you know it's to help process memories and emotions as well, and there may also be basically a way for our brains to practice problem solving. I could definitely see while that. We dream. Yeah, I could definitely see that where you have all that noise and static during the daytime when you have your own independent thoughts and when your brain can relax, then it's kind of replaying stuff and, and letting your brain work through it on a different level. 
Yeah, I just like talking to myself. I usually give myself the right answer. (laughs) 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 I'm trying to waste my time dreaming about it, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, you know, one of the types of dreams that I always find interesting is the the types of dreams where you are watching a dream first person view like it's you you know how it is normal during the daytime the way you are you're walking around looking at something and you're dreaming that way you're just watching it but the thing is is that you can't influence it it just happens and you're just it's kind of like being at the movie theaters so you're just a captive audience that's just watching what's happening. And those I always find very interesting because of fact you can't manipulate them, you can't influence them. So whatever's going on, you're there for the remainder of just seeing what plays out. And those dreams I always find, you know, interesting just because depending on the individual, they may remember them, they may not. They may remember them to the point they can get a a, a journal. And and do like a dream diary and write down every single bit of information they remember. So and they and it and they recommend that actually they recommend that you. I can't think offhand what that's called, but anyway they they recommend there's a part where people would recommend that you basically keep a journal of like let's say in your memories you can you can like write down this or that and then when you dream again write it down and see what coincides with each other or what differs if that makes sense to you but they do mention i remember somebody mentioning that you know a lot of psychologists people that deal with dreams and stuff always tell you that the best way to keep track of your dream is to keep a journal of it yeah, I could definitely see that because that way you can see the contrast and parallels of things that are different or somewhat identical. Or if you have a reoccurring dream, just to see, you know, what variant or thing have may have changed over time. I, d- I, right. def- I definitely get that. Now, uh, one of the other types of dreams <clears throat> that people may have or have experienced, they might be shaking their head when I say this right about now is the type of dream to where you are not watching it from your own eyes, but you're watching it from behind everything as if you are kind of like if you use those programs on the computer that you can type in an address and it will just zoom in to where it's at. So you're watching everything, but you're not doing it from a personal viewpoint. So you're, you're kind of withdrawn back a little bit and doing it. I know when I've spoken to people in the past on this particular subject, a lot of people actually said that they had dreams in that type of scenario. So, you know, it's. Well, I wonder if that, because, you know, the, the, the Bible has a, not to touch on a lot of religion, because, we you know, we don't like to do that. But I wonder if that deals with the Bible version, because the the Bible version says that, you know, dreams are sometimes referred to as visions of the night and the word vision is used for messages received while awake so i wonder like if you're talking about standing in the background 
basically washing a motion picture if that's like the vision part of it uh, potentially you know the the interesting thing about any old scripture and text or anything that was written hundreds if not thousands of years ago is vernacularly speaking or transcribed transcripting things they did not have the robust vocabulary and ways to describe things that the way modern society does. So things were very plain text and rudimentary for words because there weren't words that had multiple meanings or definitions or explanatory remarks of, of things to give people's perceptions or thoughts on things. And that's one of the things that I always find interesting is depending on what you're reading from what era or, or millennia, or decade besides modern society, it's always neat to see the way they convey things. So now as far as it goes, so you know, there's like five, there's five main types of dreams though. Okay. What, uh, what, so you have like, go ahead. Well, I was going to, I was just simply going to say, let's, uh, let's hear them. Oh, so there, so you have your normal dreams, you have daydreams, you have lucid dreams, you have false awakening dreams, and then of course your most infamous one is nightmares. Okay. So So whether you remember your dreams or not, most people dream like I said, they have to they'll be in a REM sleep when they dream. So tell me this. <clears throat> we'll we'll go we'll go in that list and go reverse. A nightmare. What's that to you? Nightmare to me. I don't know, man, because I don't I don't really get scared that easy. I would think a nightmare is like when, you know, the typical meaning, the most logical meaning would be a dream of fear. So anything that would induce a panic or give a a not positive experience emotionally, psychologically in a dream would result in a nightmare. Yeah, anything frightening or unpleasant. Okay. Maybe even terrifying. Okay. Now, you know, I would I would say it would be a nightmare. All right. Then you touched base on on lucid dreams. What's your uh well, perception on that? To go back to to go back to a nightmare real quick. Do you actually know what causes nightmares? What can cause nightmares? Well, I have my own opinion on that, but what curious to to hear what your well, let's, let's hear your opinion. What's Lent your opinion on the cause? Let's hear your opinion. <clears throat> I kind of tend to go two ways with it. I can go on a spiritual sense, and I can go with a more of a psychological, modern society uh, style sense. And speaking on the latter, psychologically, I would say things that are unresolved or scenarios and situations that are causing undue stress in someone's life. And then it manifests things in dreams on the spiritual side of the house. I can say from my theory is that it could be dependent upon what's going on in your life. And if you are indeed, am familiar with any form of paranormal activity or 
potentially maybe have the ability to be sensitive that nightmares could be another component of contact i can uh, is the best way just to leave it at with other environments or realms or things of that nature of the paranormal and i don't think that the human brain can adequately equate or understand things that it may experience see or or emotionally perceive and therefore all of those things come together and present itself which could induce a nightmare spiritually to a degree but i can agree to that and you and you touched on stress which you know your 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 logical meaning of nightmares i'm just going to say logical and paranormal so logical basically stress negative life events the experience of trauma post-traumatic stress disorder we talked about ptsd yep. a few times yep other psychiatric disorders and medication side effects is something that people don't really realize that if you're taking certain medications that a part of a side effect of a medication could be having nightmares so basically the chemical component of the way it interacts with your body and the different balances of what your brain's supposed to have for a bunch of different things. And when you induce foreign substances in your body, how it alters what the normal status quo is. And therefore, not maybe distorting, but changing what your baseline is. And then it's interacting with your subconscious. So hence where pretty much it's, it's like a have. chemical imbalance. Right. Right. Like a chemical imbalance. What do you think the most frequent nightmare is? What's that one that everybody always says? Always being up in front of uh, giving a lecture in, in some form of a class and not having many articles of clothing on? <laughs> Standing in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, out of, out, of, out of anything that you can think of that would scare people, what, what, do you think the, uh, what do you think some of the most frequent nightmares are? I tell you what, in all sincerity, I really can't put a pin on it just because of fact things in this day and age are so blown out in reference to financial ramifications and, and stability in life, you know, stresses of family and, and parenting and jobs. It's, it's just kind of a whirlwind now. Right. So I, I would probably say maybe financial or or work related well that would go like say maybe under worries and anxieties okay that's actually like number seven hmm. if you can believe that oh i believe so it. in my research i came across this chart which was kind of interesting but the number one thing in nightmares is failure or helplessness in a scenario and also tied with that is experiencing physical aggression. So basically, like accidents, being chased, health-related stuff is under that. You know, interpersonal conflicts, worries and anxieties, disasters, and actually an evil presence is like number nine. But 
insects and vermin are the last thing, but believe it or not, like people's health related concerns and worries and stuff that's down on the list. And it's kind of amazing because you would think that that would take presence. That would be up at, yeah, that that would be at the right. forefront of anybody's, you know, top three uh, of what their concerns are. So I definitely, definitely understand well, that. Well, number three is accidents. So, but see, you know what I don't understand is that they list these things and you look at like failure or helplessness in a scenario. Two would be experiencing physical aggression. Three is accidents. Okay. So if you took accidents, helplessness, and physical aggression, wouldn't that be health related concerns or death? Potentially. It depends on the scenario. I mean, they're each unique and different, but the tying factor is it's the human dynamic of being able to be in control. And when you are not in control and you already touched base on it, being helpless, that in itself is something normally growing up is not a characteristical trait that people are presented with. It's not one of these, hey, welcome to life, and this is going to be part of what your future may present itself as. So when it does happen to individuals, unfortunately, if they've never experienced it earlier in life, when it does happen, it is multiplied exponentially by stress and nobody knows how to counter it because helplessness is exactly that. You don't know how to go forward. You don't know what resources you have. You don't know where to, you know, what pieces that you need to put in place to make whatever the problem is that you're experiencing, you know, get fixed instead of being broken. And it's just, well, you can actually, you can actually control your dreams. It's a fight and a struggle because you're beating the subconscious mind. Well, but, but, but what we were originally talking about though, that you, that you segued right. into was just the different types of nightmares originally. Right. But that's what I'm saying though. It, it, it's the same. So the helplessness, right? So if, if I start dreaming that I'm helpless, for some reason, I can turn that around where I'm not helpless and the person or the either, let's just say it's just me and I feel helpless. I could turn around where I don't feel so helpless no more. I can control the scenario, basically. I, I could see that. So, and you touch, you base. don't have to be talented or gifted or anything to do that. That's just strong will. Right. Now, you, you touch base on three other types of dreams. Mm-hmm. Originally, we we touch base on the nightmares, and we touch base on lucid dreaming that we were going to get into. And what is your opinion of lucid dreaming? Well, lucid actually, lucid dreams are the rarest type of dreams. And why is you that? Didn't know that? I'm not I'm not really big on lucid dreaming. Okay, uh, I could jump in, but I want to hear you. Well, go ahead. Let me, let me. Okay. See. Lucid dreaming is the ability to control the narrative. It's well, that's what I was just talking about. Ain't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but specifically <laughs> for lucid dreaming though, this is where you're in complete control of the dream. Consciously, psychologically, you do whatever it is you want to do in the dream. 
you have the free will to manipulate it. And right. That's kind of what I was talking. So I was basically talking about lucid dreaming by being able to control your dream. Correct. Yeah. I would just come back around. That's why I want to touch base on lucid dreaming itself at that point. Oh, right on. Because I, cause see, that's, but see, that's what I didn't know. So I didn't know that. See, I've never really dove into lucid dreaming and actually I'm talking about it. Didn't even know it. How about that? Yep. There you go. <laughs> It's, 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 sometimes it's a theory. Sometimes it's a paranormal. Sometimes it's, you know, a theory in the paranormal. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, as far as a lucid dreaming goes, that is actually a skill set that potentially people can learn to do through different preparation and studying and reading on methodologies that are out there. And then they could do this, which I found pretty interesting. I actually did some studying in my earlier life when I was younger about dreams. And two of the categories that came up a lot was lucid dreaming. And the other category, which isn't necessarily related to dreaming, but was coined as a phrase that involves dreaming was something called astral projection. But we're not going to get into that particular category in this podcast. That's a whole different ball of wax. So if anybody wants to look up what lucid dreaming is more in detail, you'll see how the parallels are also with astral projection by any means necessary. Please look into it and research it, have fun with it and, and see what that's about. So besides lucid dreaming, what is your opinion of the dreams that you are dreaming, but then you have the sleep paralysis? Well, to go back to lucid real quick, because I just learned something too while you were talking, that approximately 20% have lucid dreams on a monthly basis and only a minority of approximately 1% have lucid dreams several times a week. That's a small amount. It's a very small amount. That Right. So, you know, I'm curious. I want to read the white papers, the white papers on this, which is a medical reference terminology for <laughs> the medical write-up or or the the medical journals of the backing of that statement what you just claimed. I'm just curious of where they're getting their baseline from and and all that information. But it's interesting that it's such a small number because you would think if something like that, it would be a bigger percentage of whoever they queried or, or surveyed, you know? Well, maybe people are like me though. They didn't like, they might've had lucid dreams and controlled them and didn't realize that's exactly what that is. That's true. I didn't know that. So, I mean, so now the percentage just grew 1%. There you go. So, but they also say like our lucid dreamers smarter than the rest of us. And I've read somewhere. Oh, well, I stumbled across, I was reading about something else on dreams and stumbled across that. And they say yes and no. While there's no concrete evidence demonstrating differences in intelligence between lucid dreamers and non-lucid dreamers, the former group has proven to be more insightful and better at problem solving in real life situations though. So 
And speaking to that, that might be either A, a personality type, for instance, like a ENTJ personality type, mm-hmm. which is an individual that's very logical, analytical, looks at the pros and cons of things, kind of is a peacemaker with everything. It's it's just the type of how that person's built. To pull from the horoscopes, if everybody's familiar with those, which I'm sure at one point in time in your life, it is, everybody's had an experience of read the horoscope in the paper and see what it says for the month or the week or when was your birthday? What's your astrological sign? Well, this is what it says, the type of person you are and all the different characteristics about you. The reason why I bring all that up is, is just maybe there might be a horoscope that is, or astrological sign that out of all of them, there might be one that's predispositioned to be more inclined to have those type of dreams doing lucid dreaming than others, you know? Well, and that, and that falls and see now I'm not trying to walk away from your sleep paralysis. We'll get to that in just a minute, but you, if you're going to talk horoscopes, then you might as well talk about moon phases and dream cycles. Well, so yeah, that, I mean, that, I mean, that, that actually, goes, that, <laughs> that's where I was going to go with that, but <laughs> <laughs> All right, did, did am I this, sensing you or are you sensing me? Where are we going with this? <laughs> I think the only sense right now we're using is something called common sense, but no. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they do play, the moon phase plays a significant role, significant role in dream cycles. They can be more vivid and emotionally charged. We just had a full moon. The first one of the year was what, Thursday, I think it was. Right. But, the end of last year, we had a new moon, and between, I think it was December, a day in December and a day in January, like Mercury was off its rocker, which was creating a bunch of different stuff going on with people's minds and, and, and you know, thought processes. People don't realize that, that when Mercury, I forget what they call it, but when Mercury's on that rampage during those days, then weird things happen. It's almost like the full moon effect, but a little different. So you're talking, you're talking maybe the vibrational rates or frequency rates of energy, maybe if, if it it might be, if I was trying to, it could be that basically because it only happens like certain times of the year. It's called mercury. It's called a mercury retrograde. Yep. It's, It's basically an optical illusion. And if the planet is moving backward from our view of Earth, you know, they basically technology communication could be disrupted and putting a damper on anybody's mood. So that could happen. Okay. So basically for anybody that's really big into science, and I'm sure I'm going to get tons of emails on this because I'm going to chop this up (laughs) and probably say something (laughs) wrong somewhere, but this is, this is basically what it is in in my nerd talk, you have the planets that are so far away from one another. They all have different forms of radiation going through everything. You also have the sun that does solar flares and so forth. As we know, everything in the world, our world, is different compositions of energy. Energy produce frequency. Frequency can go through everything of the world. You get gamma radiation. 
you got, you know, you name it. My brain just went, or I think, I think that was my end point right there. Cause I was trying to go further. No, but my whole point is, is that you're talking about everybody being affected by potentially mercury or the different retrograde that was happening and so forth. And that was the, the, the tying in factor I was trying to get to was the phasing potentially of the moon where mercury was the distance, all the different energy that was being thrown around washing over the earth as far as it goes, everybody that's human, we're cellular composition, carbon, you name it, CNS system, but things can pass through us. So that wavelengths. So that's why all these individuals potentially might have been affected by this because of all those energy frequencies washing over the earth and everybody being receptive of that. So I just want to do a little explanation of what you were talking about nerd style so right in the moon phase i mean they say like people can you know go outside and you know recharge themselves by the moonlight by the full moon or however i've only seen one or two it's usually the native americans that i've seen that use the moon in that in that retrospect right nature yeah yeah and so but observing the moon's phases can provide insights and the flow, the what they call the ebb and flow of your dream experiences. Again, I'm not, you know, I haven't really gone in really deep on the moon phases. I have on the horoscopes and stuff, but as far as dream cycles, I just wanted to throw that out there. Plus, you know, you just gave a great definition of the retrograde. So that's cool, too. Yeah, that was just looking at from a metaphysical science sense, you know. I'm sure there's tons of studies out there and all that for everybody's like, you know, all of this may affect cellular composition and people's CNS systems and, and psychological and everything else. But that was just my quick two cents explanation of what you were trying to, you know, put a bow on and uh, explain. I know we have a lot of listeners that tune in to what we do here, our podcast and they pick it up. And if, Maybe they're not familiar with the subject, or maybe they've only listened to a few different podcasts of ours. I like always coming back around and explaining things in detail again, just because I know when I listen to podcasts and I'll jump into something and someone just says something and it's like, I don't know what he's talking about or she's talking about, and they're all having a conversation like everything's good. <laughs> I'm like, you know, 20 minutes in, I'm going, are they going to explain to me what that comment was 20 minutes ago? Cause I'm, I'm still kind of confused here. So yeah. Retro. What retro is that clothing or what? <laughs> <laughs> right. There what? You go. So, all right. So sleep paralysis, what do you want to be? what do you ask me about sleep paralysis? Well, from a sleep paralysis standpoint, what's your uh, two cents on that? Because it happens when you dream, right? Yes and no. There's a lot of people that, you know, it, it basically, so like when we, when we go into an investigation, let's say I'll put it on a paranormal platform first, we walk in and, and basically they start telling us all the stuff that's going on in, in the place and whatnot. And then somebody says, yeah, you know, some mornings I wake up and I swear somebody's pinning me down to the bed and they're holding me down. I don't, I don't like go okay, that's paranormal. I, I go, I, I first go medical or 
outside the paranormal realm. I go to logical answers like sleep paralysis. Basically, you your mind has woken up, but the rest of your body has not. Now, when you do that, again, you can go to PTSD. You can go to generalized anxiety disorder, a panic disorder you know, insomnia, narcolepsy, there's, there's plenty of medical stuff that basically cause sleep paralysis. It's not always somebody just pinning you down. So I, I don't, I, I would have to go, you know, basically I would have to look at the medical side first. Do these people have any of these things? You know what I'm saying? If that's kind of what you're looking for, I'm just kind of winging it on going this direction before i go paranormal well i just wanted to get your 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 thought process and theory on that now okay swing it on over to the other side you said paranormal what's your what's your opinion of it maybe related to the paranormal now well paranormal i mean there there's plenty of legends on sleep paralysis with the paranormal you have the what do they call her the the old lady that basically is sitting on top of you when you're sleeping and you wake up and they actually see her. I forget what her name is, but anyway, it's there is some paranormal aspects to it, potentially. Yeah, because it it basically many like a lot of cultures, like a lot of different cultures, like in Egypt and Italy, they believe that sleep paralysis. It is a supernatural uh, kind of thing in a nature. Yeah. Characteristic. Right. And then you also have what they call sleep demons. Okay. So sleep demons, they basically common, commonly involve temporary paralysis when falling asleep or waking up. Sensations for that might include, you know, chest pressure, hallucinations, perceiving a presence in the room. So basically, a sleep demon, a hallucination, differ from nightmares as individuals are semi-aware of the episode that's happening to them. Hmm. So the the it's 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 kind of a to me, I mean, it's kind of a rude catch twenty two because you do have a bunch of medical stuff that this person could be suffering from PTSD, and that could be the cause of the sleep paralysis, or they actually have a haunt and there's actually something paranormal going on. It's it's very hard to decipher what kind of sleep paralysis we're dealing with. Some scientists proposed sleep paralysis as an explanation for reports of the paranormal and spiritual phenomena, even down to alien visits. And then they go into the D word demons and demonic possession or if they've had alien abduction experiences. The night hag is the one I'm talking about. (laughs) That's the one where the old lady basically, you know, hovers above you and basically pins you to your bed. You can't move. And, but you have people that actually wake up and see her holding you down. So that's a whole nother story about the night hag, but we don't have to go into that right now. Okay. So circling back 
to my two cents on the sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> it could be a variety of factors. If I want to go medically or physiology speaking, it could be because you're overly drowsy or tired. Your body's produced too much melatonin. It could also be because there's a few different things that your body produces that tells you, hey, you need to wake up. And there's things that your body produces that says, hey, go to sleep. And sometimes there's a disconnect chemically and where you become awake consciously, but your body still shut down. So that also may come into play of potentially where the sleep paralysis happens. Now, that's just my opinion on the medical side of the house. The paranormal side, I would say potentially, you know, you touch base on it also. It could do with something that, how would I put this correctly? It could do with something that's manipulating your energy to keep you at a certain trance or level of not being able to wake up all the way fully. Because I've said this many times in past podcasts, everything in the world is made of energy. And if it's made of energy, then you can fluctuate and change the amount of energy that's going places and what it does. So potentially, hey, maybe something's messing with you on a spiritual sense. When I mean spiritual, I mean by paranormal, not in a religious or theology or biblical sense. So those are the well, and the that's two, the two ways, and that's where, right? And you got three, you got three different types. You got visual, auditory, and sensory. So if you fall on the sensory part, when you're when you're being when you're feeling like you're being pinned down, the sensory part in you is going to create a fear, and the fear is basically going to be a hallucination of an intruder being there, whether you know it be spirit or ghost or the night hag or whatever you know what i'm saying it's just like you're like why am i not moving so your your brain is automatically going to say something is pinning me down it's like i should be able because because normal day a normal day for everybody is your alarm goes off you wake up and your whole body moves and one day your alarm goes off and basically your eyes open up and you can turn your head, but you can't move the rest of your body because the brain has not told the rest of your body to wake up. See, that's what I was talking to you about. That one chemical. Right. Yep. So, but the sensory, I'm leaning on the sensory part, that sense of not being able to move becomes a fear and the fear leads to the hallucination of somebody pinning you down. You, you understand that's, that's where. And what that is. I was going in. Oh, I got you on that. What that is, is from a psychological standpoint or psychology, no matter what is going on in the world, the human brain, it's a proven fact, even without all information, it will sit there and try to figure out an answer and put things together to make sense. So even though it takes, it takes eight seconds, it takes like for your brain to, now I learned this 
to make a judgment. You're ju- going to probably make, laugh. Or, no, to make a judgment. To make a judgment. Right. It's, it's, I learned in Krav Maga, we learned that it's, it's an eight second. Like if some guy's trying to come and grab you or wait, rob wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. What's, what's, what's Krav Maga? Krav Maga, man. Krav Maga. Oh, <laughs> it's easy to say. I thought you said Crab Rangoon. So I'm, I'm like, I'm hungry. Those are good. There you go with food again. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but Krav, so Krav Maga is a, in, is a self-defense. Israeli self-defense. And okay. we train true Israeli. So anyway, to get to the point. In the Krav Maga section, we learned that if you disrupt your attacker okay. in any kind of way, say you turn to him and you just say, hey, Joe, how's it going, man? And you go, oh, I'm sorry, you're not Joe. And you walk away. Well, it's going to take him eight seconds to figure out what just happened there because he already had his mindset on walking up to you and robbing you or doing harm. And you just turn that around so you're talking about ca- so, cause and effect is what you're talking about or action for a reaction time right so you put that in sleep paralysis you're you're not really like i've never heard of anybody pinned down for a very long time it's like a few seconds or moments so my thing is like when you wake up and you realize the rest of your body isn't moving then Basically, your brain is trying to decipher this for eight seconds. What's going on here? Now, as a that makes sense. No, it does. Now, as a quick side note, and I'm sure this has happened to you. I know it's happened to me, and it's probably happened to a ton of our listeners. When you sleep, there is a major time displacement. You can have a dream. You can fall asleep. You can have a dream, and it feels like it's lasted maybe ten hours, eight hours. And you wake up and you figured out you were asleep for all of 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. And, you know, there, there's that disconnect, which I always found interesting because. Now, does that deal with some kind of time travel? <laughs> well, no, not, not, not time travel, just time displacement, meaning you can't, it doesn't utilize what we know as our own physics of time to say this is how many hours are in a day when you sleep and you are conscious or awake it does not feel like an a minute is equal to a minute if you're conscious i'm just getting to the point of when you sleep sometimes it feels like you've slept for days you wake up and feel refreshed and you're like oh wow i feel like i slept like nine hours and then you look at the clock and it's like i slept an hour that's it so that's that. Yeah, I dig, I dig that. Like sometimes you, you, you can be like, because you, you even tell yourself sometimes some people be like, all I need is a 30 minute nap. Yep. And in that 30 minutes, you felt like you slept for five hours. Oh, I've been there many times. Trust me. In my, my old previous life of my younger self than my old career. Yeah. I, I was the expert at that. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I think I even mastered so the, so the, Go ahead. You found what? So I, think, I said, I think I even learned and, and mastered how to uh, fall asleep while I was walking. So I do that now, man. It's like, uh, I've been on, I'm like doing air conditioning. I've been on job sites where people laugh at me because I can actually sleep standing up. And I'm like, I'm just taking a quick nap and then I'm going to get back to work. Oh yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but yeah, I, know. I know what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. Without a doubt. So but, uh, go ahead. 
the average the average age when it first occurs for sleep paralysis is anywhere from 14 to 17 years and it's a it's a fairly common sleep problem so this is just statistics it doesn't mean that it's real like a factual statistic but basically how many people have it very widely from 5 to 40% you said you said the age bracket was from 14 to 17 years for age yeah so yeah. with, with that denote it being something that is a chemical or, or well when it or, first or, occurs or, when it first happens okay so when it first when it first the average age of when it first occur occurs is anywhere from 14 to 17 years old that's when the first experience of sleep paralysis may happen does it make any statement or are you aware if it has anything to do with testosterone or estrogen or chemical you know chemicals because i'm looking at it right now from what you're saying as young people that are growing up and they have all these things coming together in their body you know as they're getting older and hormones and all that stuff so that's where i automatically went to thinking of going okay are all these things coming into play to potentially affect somebody that way i haven't really dug into it that far to understand why it's that age that you might be i guess because that's your when you're becoming an adult age 14 to 17 uh so i guess you're you're gonna you're leaning on the right subject which is your chemical balance from being a child to an adult how because you know as we get older our body changes yep or from a preteen or teen to an adult right Right. Well, even everything changes. Like, you know, you might not have ate broccoli when you're a kid, but you love broccoli now. You know what I'm saying? So no. everything changes as you get older. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's that because you figure 14 to 17, you're becoming an adult, like a young man or a young lady at that moment. And yeah. your body's going to go through those changes. All right. So <clears throat> with all of these different types of dreams that we have discussed, so far, Dalton, yeah. have you ever experienced any of these types of dreams? Well, obviously, I've done the lucid dreaming where I control my dreams. Okay. I do that a lot. Like any when I I don't dream a lot for some reason, but when I do dream, if I don't like the situation in the dream, then I control it. I always wind up controlling it. And believe it or not, this is kind of like a weird, I mean, we're talking paranormal. How weird can we get? But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of like I'm controlling the dream and the dream's fighting back to take over. And then I control the dream and then it's fighting. Like it changes the scenario to where, okay, what are you going to do now? Kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of weird how it happens. And that, and that I've even caught myself and I might have had sleep paralysis because i catch myself trying to speak like i'm saying you know yeah like i'm trying to go look out for that ladder and i'm just like mm, you know moaning it right and right. i'm actually awake and i and i kind of realize that i'm trying to speak in my sleep and i can't talk and then all of a sudden i completely wake up and and i can go okay right so <laughs> i might have i'm I might have experienced a little sleep paralysis with my lucid dream. No, I completely see that because in a normal daily routine, we have our limbs, you know, our feet, 
our hands, arms, legs, ears, eyes, mouth, nose, all of our senses. So it's only natural that you're going to respond in a dream the way you would be if you were awake. So therefore, you exhibiting and doing all those things as if you were awake. So I definitely, definitely get that. Now, have you experienced any other types of dreams that we've discussed so far? Or was that pretty much, you know, hitting the nail on the head there with uh, the lucid dream? I haven't really. My dreams are probably strictly beyond paranormal and astral projection. You know what I mean? Because of the things that I'm able to do. But now I've had people dreams, different people have explained dreams to me. Basically, they've dreamt that they were standing there and they were with an animal. Hmm. Uh, The animal was not attacking them. The animal seemed friendly. I've also dreamed to have people tell me about dreams where something was tugging at their feet. Interesting. So the tugging at their feet is basically the fear of someone or something is holding you back. So now when you, when you say that, that's a life deal. Like when you're lot when you're a lot, when you're awake in your everyday life, somebody is holding you back from, from uh, advancing in your life or, or getting a promotion or moving forward. If that makes sense. No, it so, does. I could I could see the I could see the uh the parallels to that. Yeah, the metaphor metaphorical meaning or possibly it can mean that you have a spirit tugging on you. I mean, that's also that. But now animals is kind of a interesting thing cuz after somebody had told me let's say like one person had told me during investigation that they had a dream that there was a lion and at first they were a little nervous because it's a lion and what the lions do, they eat meat. So they felt like they might've been dinner, but it wasn't that the, basically the lion walks over and sits next to him and was very friendly. So when I did some research and started finding out about dreams and animals, I found that if a lion is in your dream, it's all, it's a basically associated with feeling confident in control of your destiny, basically. It also represents your personality, specifically the influence and power that it holds. So basically, you're very confident and you're in control. So you're talking there's a lion in your dream. Okay, so you're talking about symbolism. Symbolism. There we go. Symbolism of different things in a dream and what they could represent. I think it's a symbolic. It's a symbolic message of yourself being. Have you ever grabbed one of those books and it's like the the encyclopedia of dreams and you could literally look up anything you could think of. It could be like woodpecker. What's a woodpecker mean? And it's like you go read what the meaning of it means and it's like, oh, you're having a difficult situation and you're stubborn, but you're going to persevere because you keep attacking it and keep going at it, <laughs> you know? And the thing that always cracks me up about those books is they're written in such a sense to where it's laissez-faire with a light touch, meaning everything is written in a generalization tone. So you can look at it and be like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. 
but then you can also look at it and be like, no, this, this has nothing to do with what I dreamed. So I, I, a lot of it, I think comes down to with those types of books and stuff is what you potentially want to find. The brain is geared and made to where if you are looking for an answer to something and you start doing research and you find an answer, it may not be the right answer, but it's an answer. So you might latch onto it and be like, okay, this is it. This is the golden goose. This is what I'm looking for. So. Well, sometimes, you know, like when, like say the person that had the dream with the lion, they were a very confident person and very in control of their destiny and what they've done. Right. So it, some of it does fall along the lines of, you know, what actually the symbolic meaning. So now there was one person that told me they had a dream with snakes in it. So basically I did some you know, tuning on that and is basically changing circumstances or opinions, basically shedding of their skin. Additionally, given their historical link to sin and evil, these dreams can also indict anxiety and negative mindset. Now, this person was suffering from anxiety. I didn't really get into understanding the shedding. Maybe they have to shed their sins. That's part of the the, the anxiety part. Also, which anxiety can lead to depression, which they were depressed too. So, so basically, different but a diff- lot of it, different levels of psychological burdens is what you're saying that could lead to what well, you're discussing. Is it, yeah, it's, it's definitely symbolic. I mean, it's definitely like a symbolic thing, but you know, like somebody was talking about they seen a panther and, and that created like basically strength inner strength and so it's it's almost like if you're dreaming about an animal and you want to research what that animal means in your dream it's it's basically a self-reflection a self-reflection of yourself well, so can, like when I you were talking that. about yeah so like if i see a panther walk up and a black you know like a black panther and you and you want to know, hey, what's what's the Black Panther mean in the dream? And you go to look it up, and it actually talks about strength. And you're thinking about it, and you're just like, okay. Or it, if it means something like confusion and inner conflict, but to be reminded to be bold with strength and power, that's where I got the strength from. Because I remember it had something to do with strength, but it actually represents confusion and inner conflict can also be a reminder to be bold and strength and power. So I have learned that like I had a person tell me they seen a black Panther in their dream and they were always confused or had inner conflict on what they should do about things. And once, once you start reading this, you're actually, they're actually dreaming about themselves and the animal form is basically them. Like, like the part of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, um, a, it's it's a it's a subconscious level of a representation form of them, symbology speaking, and so that's from my viewpoint that that's what you're saying, and that's how that comes to be. So, yeah, because it it can mean you know Black Panther is very cool because it's courage, valor, beauty, grace, challenge. It's a courageous guardian blessed with ancient 
eternal lunar power. Now we're talking lunar. You know, you can get a few diff- different definitions on the on the animals' sake part of it, but it's it's pretty interesting that people have these dreams about animals, and then you go and you you actually research them, and you're like, oh wow. Well, you find out that that person that they're basically, you know, that's them. That's what they tell you when they talk to you. They tell you what they're having a problem with, and that animal actually represents their problem, but. I've also had now this this is kind of weird. I've also had people tell me that they've seen blood in their dream. Hmm. So the spiritual meaning of blood in a dream means you need your inner strength to live. So it's basically your sanctity. It may mean trouble is lurking around and this dream could also be pointing at some spiritual attack on you. Interesting. So if you got somebody that's dreaming about that has blood in their dream, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody got shot or somebody died or anything. It just they see blood in their dream. These are there's some of the things that it could be representing. Hmm. One of the one of the dreams that we've discussed that I have actually experienced myself was when I was a young teenager. And I don't know. I think I was 17, 16, 17. I had a dream. Didn't think anything about it. Didn't make sense to me. Didn't think anything about it. Two years later, I ended up having a meeting with an individual and we had to go on a road trip and we were coming back and this individual was wearing a green suit and it was the strangest thing. We were driving down the highway and a song came on and he's talking to me driving and I'm in the passenger seat and automatically a certain part of the song played and right when it played, I looked over to my left and I saw the radio station of whatever it was you know, the, the numbers, you know, for instance, like 104.3 or something like that. And when I saw that on the radio station, LCD screen, I saw a big green blur to my left out of my peripheral. And then right after I saw that grid, the big green blur to my left, I looked up to my top right out the window and I saw a road sign that says exit here. For this particular road now yeah that's a lot of details on something that i'm being very vague about but point being is i had that dream two years prior before i even knew this individual and it was that exact scene it was being in a car not being able to know who was next to me just being able to see the road in front of me hearing a song looking to my left when I hit a certain part of the song, seeing the radio station, seeing the green blur to my left. And then I looked up to my right and I saw that road sign to exit and get off. And it blew my mind away <clears throat> because when that happened later in life, I went through the motions and I just did it all, which deja vu. Well, yeah, well, yeah, deja vu, but that goes hand in hand with a prophetic dream 
you know, an event or message or scenario of something that's foretelling. And I've had some other dreams similar like that, that never came true, which was a good thing. But point being is it was foretelling something that was going to happen later in my life. Now, do I think or believe everybody has these type of dreams? No. Do I have any iota of thought or logic or reason why I had that particular dream? No. <laughs> I have no idea. Because when you think about it logically, it showed me a future point of my time of life of a small snippet. It wasn't like it's showing me graduation day, walking out of college with my diploma you know, or winning a soccer championship or, you know, you know, traveling somewhere, seeing the Grand Canyon or something momentous, you know, it it wasn't like, oh, wow, look at this, you know, it was just so small and insignificant, but that particular instance ended up becoming something momentous later in my life. So for me, personally speaking, the prophetic dream is is one that I experienced. And the lucid dreaming, I've also been able to do before. It's not something that I can do willy-nilly at, you know, random, where I can just go to sleep and say, oh, I want to do this, and then boom. Then it's just like, you know, have fun. It just happens randomly. I don't pick or choose it. It just, it is what it is. Right. I found... I find it interesting, you know, because it's like, okay, well, if you know the capabilities there, you'd think it would always be on, <laughs> but that's not the case. One thing, when I did do studying about dreams and stuff, one of the things I found very interesting, and I got this particular opinionated methodology by reading multiple books and then seeing the similarities of the different authors, they all established and stated, uh, excuse me, stated that if you want to dream about something in particular is to enunciate it and think about it before you go to sleep. So it's literally pre-programming yourself. Kind of like for anybody that's old enough to remember a VCR, (laughs) back in the day, you go ahead and program it to set what you want to record for your show. Well, the same thing. And the only thing I can, you know, glimpse or gleam from it is, is you are literally programming your subconscious to say, Hey, this is what I want for the content for me to focus on when I go to sleep. And then you go to sleep and see what happens. Usually nine times out of 10, nobody remembers anything because people forget their dreams as soon as they wake up. (laughs) It's the way the brains work chemically. Most of the time, yeah, that's. But you go to the sub subconscious. I mean, basically, I mean, it's an emotional self state, and it's usually associated with unconscious memories. But you can also, it could be. You were talking about storing, which is along the lines that dreams may support memory storage, may help facilitate the brain to store important memories. So you could also like you're doing right now is talking about getting up in the morning and setting a VCR or whatever. I mean, you could actually 
set your dream to be a reminder. Well, right. That's and that and that exactly a, a better, more eloquent way of stating that is exactly what I was trying to convey in my analogy. There is your right pre-setting up your brain to have a subject or a process or a thought to focus on before you go to sleep. So when you do go to sleep, that will be what the criteria or subject is you may be dreaming about. So I, I, I just found that to be interesting because it's like when I started seeing the parallels of everybody's opinions and, and, and their different methodologies and so forth, I was like, that's, that's interesting because up until that point, I just knew dreams as, Oh, something that happens randomly and that's it. So, and it doesn't, it doesn't really happen randomly. No, I mean, it's like, no. there's, there's a, a purpose. There's a, yeah, there's a purpose. That's why I said, if somebody like, okay, so to me, you don't really hear somebody go, man, I dream every night. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it's like something's going on in their life. All of a sudden they have a dream and it could be one of those five dreams. But when you talk about symbolic or symbolism, so, I mean, I have, I, you know, now that I think of it, cause I did some research on this a while back. And when you've heard of people, they're scared to dream. If if they dream that you die, they say that you die in real life. Right. That's not, that's not true. So what I've learned, because I've, I've dreamed that I died or that I was dying. I've had a few of those dreams and of course I'm still here. So obviously that's not true. So what I found was, that dreams about death may indicate a current struggle with grief or a signal of significant life change. Basically, if you're experiencing a goodbye or going through a breakup or leaving a job or relocating, death in a dream may not actually actually be about dying. Instead, it represents the change of a closing chapter or the end of life as you know it says the scenario basically so 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 basically if you're if you're changing your life or you're going in another direction and you have a vision or a dream about you dying you're not actually dying you're just basically closing a chapter in your life right it's it's symbol being symbolized as a final plateau point of something that happened and a new leaf starts is what you're getting at yeah, and you can become you can become more spiritually enlightened, or you simply want to better yourself as a person. You know, they say don't be disturbed by the by its morbid nature because dreams about dying are actually positive. It's right. a positive thing, right? And it, and it depends on your belief system, and and you know we don't really try to touch base on theology, but whatever theology you lean towards, and, and so I definitely understand that. Now here's here here's a zinger for you, and you can answer this however you want. There's no constraints on it or no particular thought process. Do you think and or have ever known anybody ever to tell you that they have had a dream of having an altercation or being? I don't want to say the word, but it, I can't think of any other way to, to put it out there of being assaulted physically 
physiology speaking, you know, like being grabbed or being tugged on, scratched, anything like that in a dream. And then they wake up and there is actual, for lack of better words, evidence or things that have materialized physically that are a hundred percent identical to what they dreamed. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done an investigation like that, that this female, she was, and this, and this became, and this was definitely a D word that basically now it wasn't, it's not the D word of what you see in movies. Like it was inside her and it was writing on her stomach or something, you know, and it, you could see it. But what she did was she did have bruising of where this thing was actually pinning her or she, you know, she would dream about. So she'd basically have a dream about it, holding her down. And then she'd wake up and have bruises on her wrists or arms where you can see actually fingerprints. Right. Now, the reason why I pose that question to you is this. I was thinking back originally to, like you said, you know, if you pass away in a dream, fortunately it doesn't happen in real life. And it got me thinking about the ramifications of dreaming something and it materializing or exhibiting similar or identical traumatic evidence physically. So where I'm going with this is this. I actually knew somebody that used to have a reoccurring dream about a individual that was not from the particular era or decade even of when this person was alive. It was somebody from 50 years prior. You could tell by the clothing, everything. But unfortunately, there was a... a, incident where the person had a dream and they were being attacked and choked and and so forth. And when they came to from being from this dream, you know, jumping up and coughing and all that stuff and, and going to turn on the light and see what was going on, looking in the mirror, fingerprints, all around the neck, bruises all around the upper part of the chest and some scratch marks. And, you know, that that in itself, <clears throat> I know there's been studies and, and to play devil's advocate, some people will say, oh, it's just the individual doing it to themselves and the brain manifesting whatever it's doing in a dream, then they wake up. But the other aspect of it is, is what indeed, if that physically was happening to them on a energy level, and then the results of it, the body produced the the physical aspect of it after the fact. And it always makes me think in the back of my mind, if that can happen in real life, as we know it, of being manipulated, messed with, touched, scratched, grabbed from the spiritual side of the world, making its way, transcending all the way to the physical side of the world. What else can potentially be done that we don't know about yet? 
you know, the reason why I did the long explanation and all that, because I wanted our listeners to hear this real world example. Unfortunately, this happened to this person I knew. And to hear the sobering fact that from mine and your experience, Dalton, you know, from what we've personally experienced in investigations and stuff, we've seen this before. And even though we discussed all these different types of dreams, all these different methodologies and psychologies and potential psychosis of why and, and explanation of everything, there's always that chance if none of that even matters. And it could be something else on a paranormal level. So, and it's something we don't, it's, it's something we don't, I mean, it's, I mean, you can consider some of that lucid dreaming, but like I said, there's been investigations where, you know, people have said they dreamed about certain things or they've dreamed that somebody was chasing them and they, they fell. And when they woke up, you know, that part of their body they fell on was hurting or they had a small bruise or a mark right there. Well, I know, um, I know for a fact, me and you have done investigations and group settings where we've assisted other individuals in settings where there was multiple teams of other organizations and we were all sharing information towards the end or doing a big collaborative group effort and so forth. And right in front of us, we would see people manifest scratches and bruises and welts on their skin. Unfortunately, well, look at the look at the look at the girl in the, you know, at Ashley's restaurant. You know, when her arm turned red because she was feeling a burning sensation. Yep, I remember that. You know, it, yeah. So it's 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 those kind of things. I mean, even she was awake. Yeah, she and was it happened fully and it, fully conscious and awake. I remember that that particular scenario exactly. It was an individual never did a paranormal investigation before in their life. It was in a public setting. So, so if the, yeah, so if the paranormal, like say if, if a spirit can actually produce that while you're awake, well then obviously, right, maybe it's a spiritual type thing that's happening when you're dreaming. Right, and that's why I made that connection and statement earlier, saying, I firmly believe everything's connected by energy. So it's like, well, you know, things can happen energy wise, and then physically it will produce results. So, yeah, I believe that because the whole universe is created with energy. So, yep. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, so the thing that's the thing you got to think about though, is you dreamed it. So guess, guess who was into dreams and this kind of maybe fall along those lines. Sigmund Freud was, into a lot of like studying on dreams and you know because he was a neurologist etc so his his basically where i'm going with that is that he thinks that dreams are the fulfillment of wishes now i'm not saying that you dream that you fell off a building and you hurt yourself and you wake up with a busted arm or something you're not wishing that but if he thinks that dreams are a fulfillment of wishes that's a form of manifesting something right would you agree to that potentially okay so if you so for instance back in 1895 sigmund freud 
had his own dream to form the basis of his theory. He had been worried about a patient that he was dealing with. Her name was Irma, and she wasn't doing that well. And in treatment, he had hoped, in fact, pretty much blamed himself for her problem and feeling guilty about it. Okay. So what he did was when he when later he went to sleep, Freud dreamed that he met Irma at a party and examined her and then basically saw a chemical formula for a drug that another doctor had given Irma basically flashed before his eyes and realized her condition was caused by a dirty syringe. So bacteria. Used by the other doctor. Yep. Right. And so basically his guilt was thus relieved, his guilt. Because so when he interpreted this dream as a wish fulfillment, he had wished that Irma's poor condition was not his fault. And the dream had fulfilled this wish by informing him it was another doctor's fault. So basically, based on this dream. Right. So basically, this is what I'm saying. He basically manifested that that it wasn't his fault and come to find out it wasn't his fault. But the other flip side of it is he put it out there, what was going on and maybe something interacted and came back and said, Hey, here's, here's the real answer and showed him. And psychologically his brain interpreted it as, Oh, I just, you know, put a wish out there and gave me closure. But in reality, something literally like a prophetic dream was saying, Hey, here's, here's how it is. We're going to help you out. There you go. Do what you will with it. So, well, and that, and, but that, but see that, you know, you, you hear people talk about it all the time. They're like, don't put that in the universe, man. It'll come true. <laughs> yep, that, <laughs> you that, know? That, 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 that bad stuff out there. Yep. Yeah. Like don't, don't throw that out there. So, but he also, I mean, he also mentioned about manifest and latent content, content, basically distinguished between the manifest content of a dream what we remember upon waking and the latent content, the hidden, the hidden psychological meaning of the dream. Yeah. So basically the manifest content is often a distorted version of the wish that the dreamer's mind tries to fulfill while the latent content is the underlying wish itself. That's like a, so, that's like a three stage synopsis there, three different levels. Well, it is because if you're, well, you're talking about the subconscious mind, which is, you know, basically the hardest part of your mind to control anyway. Yeah. It does what it wants to do. It's grown. I know. Pretty what you much. Mean. But if he was, if he was thinking that, you know, basically upon his studies of different people dreaming that you can manifest, like you can wish upon something and then it actually turns out to happen for you, then maybe unconsciously in your subconscious, you're dreaming about falling off your bicycle and you scrape your knee and you wake up and you actually manifested a red spot or a bruise on your knee where you had scraped your knee falling off your bike in the dream. Right. I could definitely uh, see that. So... That's that's the thing about dreams, though, is dreams could be like all over the place. Yeah, and that's the thing they they don't have 
a set criteria of what it's going to follow or, or what the subject matter is going to be, or if and when you may dream. It's completely at random out of your own control. And uh, that's, I think, if anything, that's the unique thing about the dream is it's it's kind of like a fortune cookie. You don't know what you're going to get until you get into it and, and see what it's about. So, well, Mr. Dalton, it looks like that is all of our time that we have for this podcast on dreams. Season two, episode one. We definitely gave the uh, season two, man. Yep. yep season season two. two, season two. We're there. We have arrived. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty glad that we have us, you know, that, that uh, we've been getting a lot of, you know, I've, I've been getting a lot of people that, you know, locally that are around us listening to us and really enjoying our, our chats, our podcast. Well, and, I, I can say this. I know for a fact we have reached global status. We have people listening to us all over the world and we, Therapy Paranormal, are officially on 14 different services that people use. So, sweet. It's, it's where we are out there. Now, if anybody does have any questions they would like to submit to Therapy Paranormal in reference to today's podcast on dreams or any of our previous podcasts that you may have listened to or will listen to, or if you want to submit any paranormal evidence to us in audio, video, or photo format, or if you just have generalized questions that you want us to maybe field an answer that we can do privately, we will be more than happy to, me and Dalton will. You can contact us by simply emailing us at info, I-N-F-O, at theoryparanormal.com. So as always, as we say here at Theory Paranormal, don't be afraid to ask questions.